0: Coming to you live from KZSU at Stanford University, this is What Would Your Mother Say, where moms and Stanford students take a candid look at campus life. Our topic this week is jealousy, conquering the green-eyed monster. I'm your host, Susan Morris, and joining me in the studio today is my mother, Barbara. Hi, Susan. Hi, and on the other side of the table are Stanford students, Emily, Leah, and Lauren. Good to have you all here. Shakespeare called it the green-eyed monster, which is understandable if you think about how you feel when you're jealous. But how does it affect us and our relationships and the decisions that we make when we're feeling jealous? And what can we do to keep it under wraps? Well, I'd like to begin with talking about how it actually feels to be jealous. Lauren, you're sitting on my right. Do you want to start with explaining that feeling of jealousy?
1: I think it starts... uh kind of inside of you and you at least I tend to feel very introspective and you start to think if I'm jealous of this person you know I, I start looking at myself and, and, and say you know why am I jealous I, it's it's like you know there's like that deficiency you know you feel like you're deficient or you're not good enough and that, I think that's the, the kind of root of that jealous feeling and so you start getting very self-critical and thinking oh well what wh- what's wrong with me then
0: I'm not good enough or yeah right can have nothing to do with the other person then.
1: Yeah, it's almost like the other person's just a jumping-off point before you kind of just start biting into yourself.
0: Spiraling down, uh, down. Leah, can you describe the sensation that you've had? I agree. It's definitely a feeling
2: of, um, well, what, what can I do to get it back? Um, what does that person have that I don't have? And sometimes even an anger or an animosity directed um, toward the person that you're jealous of about, about you feel like they're being actively hostile to you even if they're not trying to do anything.
0: Barbara, have you noticed a change
3: in how you feel when you're jealous now to when you were... Uh, youngster well you know i think both lauren and leah described the feeling accurately and i still have that certain uh, rage state and an insecurity and all of that stuff if there is an improvement over time it's that uh i i can resist the impulse to act on it quite so quickly because it, it does feel bad and it doesn't bring out anything that we're proud of but um i certainly i, I feel the rage i feel the insecurity that doesn't change over time not for me
0: was anyone at the table willing to describe what they've done when they've been jealous emily (laughs) did you um write a hate letter did you stalk somebody
4: did you cry or uh i think for me it's hard for me to think i don't think i'm generally a very jealous person so i think the closest i have and it's I think very closely related I've been very insecure before and normally I don't think I am and I've been put in situations where I was made to feel really really insecure and I've done bad things when I felt that way I've violated people's privacy um, and and for me um, so my last relationship was long and hard and I there were parts of it where I was very insecure and there was, like, a specific physical feeling I would get when I knew that, like, that I wasn't feeling good about it. And and every time something would crop up that would make me feel insecure, I would notice it. And it was just this terrible feeling in my stomach. My heart would beat faster. It was awful. Obviously, it
0: affected your, your behavior. Did you pay any consequences?
4: Uh... Yes, I, I did. I mean, so my, that this particular situation was hard because like my insecurities were based on real things. And so, um, in our case, our relationship spiraled into crazy places, but I think that, um, me not being able to trust, even if it was based on something, um, that still had, it's negative influence on my relationship with this person. I have a story
3: not unlike that. I, um, in a very important relationship, I was voted off the island, so to speak. And um, <laughs> Barbara, what does that mean? <laughs> it means I was tossed over for for somebody else. Oh, oh. And it was um, there was a period of time when I violated their privacy i stalked i did all kinds of really dangerous things dangerous in the sense i thought holy smokes if i get caught i'm going to go to jail and then they're going to be, really be glad they voted me off the island it took a, a huge amount of self-control and a little bit of meds to, kind of to change my conduct I, it can bring you to crazy crazy places uh well now why did you get jealous
0: I mean, because I was, well, I mean, what, I mean, what you're, both of you are sort of describing, we're talking
3: about relationship things where in my case, someone else, someone else
4: came into the scene. In Mm -hmm. my case, I got cheated on. (laughs) All right. I would say that's exactly the case, Emily. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. makes you crazy. And in that case, it's like, I mean, it's hard. It's like this very abstract jealousy though, especially in this case, because like I mean, I knew that the, the other woman was not like an actual threat, but it's still like the same reaction and like, oh, it just feels terrible. And I hate the person I am when I'm acting up. Mm-hmm.
1: But at the same time, I think it's really interesting when you think about the role that jealousy plays in attraction. Um, you know, for an example, you know, like when you're, when you're going out, um, you know, with someone and, and there's. My salon. Yeah, I mean, when you're going out with someone, there's there's this idea that you know you don't want to you don't want to play you know you want to play it hot and cold you know you want to you want to go out there but you also want to talk to to other people you know at a certain gathering and that way you know it, it kind of I think it builds that, that little twinge of jealousy in that person and, and and in a sense you know in certain doses draws them closer to you and and it's kind of a back and forth you know that, that there's a point at which jealousy can be used as a tool and I think it's really powerful.
2: Yeah, I agree, and sometimes if I'm a little bit jealous, um, it's, it's a way for me to know that I really do like somebody. Um, I know I, I was at a party recently with a guy, and this girl came up and gave him a big hug, and I immediately felt, you know, kind of like mad at her, and I realized, hmm, I guess I really do like this guy.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's been called, uh, jealousy has been called an addiction, Can, and you're describing why it is kind of appealing, because it makes you feel alive. Right? Someone else sort of wants these goods, and so, mm, they look better than they did maybe five minutes before.
1: Well, right? It's, it's a fine line, too, between, you know, like, oh, I, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I, I value this person, obviously, and just, like, dismissing them. You're like, you're a harlot. I'm going to get out of town. <laughs> you know, like, there's, like, that fine line that you walk, and uh, I guess I guess that's, that's part of being uh, skilled at flirting or whatever you want to call it, but oh, being right on that line.
0: Well, who at the table has been in a relationship with a jealous person? Turning the tables. Anyone had a a, a jealous, have you had a jealous girlfriend?
1: Oh, yeah, all the time, especially with Facebook. I've had, you know... Uh, girlfriends who will go through and and kind of give me a laundry list well in this picture you know (laughs) this girl is giving you a hug and you're you're, while you're picking this girl up in this picture i don't know and like it's like it's like a list of of like these you know perceived infidelities from you know and it's so bad because you know they, they have access to all this stuff and then they can build on that with their insecurities and then kind of come up with this whole scenario about how you know you're some like Infidel, yeah, like infidel, Ethario. Another, you know, it's because you're
0: the one who puts up all that information. I know, but yeah, you I invite it's it.
1: It's like it's like yeah. a jealousy feast, you know. <laughs> they get to go on there and just pick out where all the where you're supplying
0: little all the food. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> did anyone here do anything to make someone feel less jealous? And can you do that, Lauren? You didn't take down all the pictures, did you, on Facebook?
1: Oh, not a chance.
4: <laughs> I think you can. I've, I I've had issues. I mean, I think I'm both a very flirtatious person. And I have a pretty extensive history and those things can, um, can be threatening to a prospective significant other. So I learned the hard way in my last relationship to filter the stories that I choose to share with this person. And you're like, uh, we've talked about jealousy being a fine line and at one point it starts being destructive
0: in what way? I mean, well, yes, obviously. But have you seen someone else be jealous of you, though, and it got kind of destructive? Did it yeah. end?
4: You ended a relationship because of that? Well, I had somebody want to get out of the relationship with me because they were jealous of my past, which is so funny because it's not the present anymore, but they had real issues with it, and I wasn't making up any effort to disguise it, and it became a kind of big problem with us. Wow. Okay. Yes. Uh,
1: now, no, Barbara, I'm curious. From what I've seen, at least contemporarily, is that, you know, it's like this this, this jealousy model of flirtation. You know, you, you go out and you kind of throw in these little, you know, things to make the other person slightly jealous. Has that changed at all? You know, it seems, like, it seems like flirting or, you know, attraction has become a little bit more bare bones. It's more, you know, it's a little bit more evilness or more grit to it. And it seems like it's kind of gotten stripped down over the years. I don't know if that's something you found to be true.
3: Wow, that's a hard question. I'm going to have to noodle on that just a little bit. I've got to say, people my age, I, uh, I think, I don't think we struggle quite so much with the flirting thing because there's there's just no percentage in it. If someone is not interested and kind of and communicates either disinterest or or no interest, there just doesn't seem to be a lot to do.
1: I don't, even, even when you're a, you know, a 20-something out there?
3: Well, you tell me. You're the 20-something. Well, I was just
1: saying, how was it when you were, you know, like, has there been a change over time? It, well, I guess it would be my or perceived change from your, from
3: Susan, your perspective. Susan, I'm going to ask you for help here. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. But I what, got married kind of young. I found okay. my first husband uh, while I was still in college. And, you know, I'm not sure that's a brilliant strategy, but it certainly changed the dynamic for my starting a career and graduating and all of that stuff.
0: I think the physical description that you gave leah is is sound sounds familiar to what I went through when i was before I was married I mean you know, you just get you feel kind of sick and sweat and <laughs> it's it's really not not much fun. okay well, what do you do when you're jealous um I mean you've talked about um has every have you always confronted the other person with your jealousy or have you ever just kept it to yourself? I mean, I, you, you obviously have talked about it, right?
4: Yeah. Did you say I'm stalking you? (laughs) Well, I admitted to violating this person's privacy because we were still together and I, and I felt like it was something I needed to, like, we had to confront this issue if we were going to move forward in our relationship. I don't think I've ever been like jealous of something for the things they have. I've never been like, man, I really like her shoes and gone and like destroyed them or something. Um, so did you ever go and buy them? Maybe <laughs> I don't
3: know. Well, that's fair.
0: Yes. That's what stores are for. Yes. Right, right, exactly. Yes. Okay.
3: I certainly didn't confess to stalking when I uh, no, I it's consider embarrassing. One, of the, one of the great things in my life is that they haven't found out about it, and I can only hope they're not listening today. <laughs> well, it is kind of embarrassing. It's terribly embarrassing yeah, yeah, to admit. that you're driven to that kind of conduct that's shameful. Well, shameful. I would have gone to jail. <laughs> Barbara, tell me, wait, be more descriptive about this
0: stalking term. I mean, I used to drive past someone's apartment. But I Did you
3: get out of your car? No, I never got out of the car. Was it the middle of the night? No. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting somewhere and I'm not going to tell you anything else. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
2: All right. Leah. Yeah. I mean, I've always... Uh, not wanted to tell because you feel sort of vulnerable admitting that, you know, you're you're worried that they don't like you or you like them more than they like you. Um, but I do have to say that Facebook has opened up unprecedented new opportunities for if you want to stalk someone discreetly and find out a lot of information about them, you can do it. But
0: I wouldn't admit it. Tell me, when, when does work get done?
1: Yeah, I, I still don't know.
0: <laughs> I mean, if you noticed? it's completely changing the subject. But do you find yourself spending more time on the computer and less time maybe studying or doing whatever else you're supposed to do in real life?
1: Oh, yeah. Since coming back to school, I have horrible study habits. I mean, uh, I, you know, like, in terms of blogs, I kind of have them all, like, bookmarked up there at the top. And I go through, like, every time I'm thinking about getting something done, I have to go through all the blogs to check out, what like, what is new and read all these new articles. And then and then finally, like, at the end, and I'll go back and check my email again. And then I'll start on my work.
2: Yes, yes. So you, yeah, my friends and I sort of experiment with different strategies to keep ourselves focused on work. So you say, oh, I'm going to go to the library, and then I won't be distracted. But, of course, at the library, you have your laptop, and it has internet, and you can go online. And it, because you have to do your work on the computer. You can't just turn it off. So you say, okay, well, I'll turn my internet off. But
0: then you can always turn it back on. And so it's it's tough. <laughs> oh, not not good. Okay. Well, one last question about jealousy. Do you get jealous when you hear that someone that you've hooked up with but aren't dating has hooked up with someone else? It
4: depends. It depends on what I'm doing. Depends who depends who I'm hooking up with at the time. But not generally. I feel like I'm pretty
3: open-minded no is that right Emily because I know um, of course not me but there are people who think oh man I wish I really was that one and only I wish they had pined longer. I wish they missed me more.
4: Well, hookup is different from dated, right? Like, because well, you didn't date this person. So if you just spent a night with them, assuming, I'm hoping that, like, if I wanted it to go further, I would have, like, made actions to try and make it go further. Oh, all right. So we're distinguishing here
3: between a one-night stand and a
4: relationship. Yes, I think so.
3: Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, I guess. Gosh, thank you for that. Times have
1: changed. I don't know. I still get jealous. They, uh, yeah, it should be, uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's how I feel. I don't know.
0: I, I
2: feel like it really depends on the terms on which you you stopped seeing them um you know if it was that you turned them down or were like it's over then i would be happy for them to have found someone else and not have to feel bad about having broken up with them or whatever but you know if it wasn't
0: mutual or something like that then then yeah i would definitely feel jealous makes it makes it hard well we're going to take a short break and coming up the panel is going to talk about being single the perks and the cost this is what would your mother say we will be right back
5: Walking with gorillas down my street. From my window, I'm staring while my coffee goes cold. Look over there! Wow. there there's a lady that I used to know. She's married now, or engaged, or something, so I'm told. Something going wrong around here Tonight's the night when I go to all the parties down my street I wash my hair and I kid myself I look real smooth. Close your eyes and imagine you're on an unspoiled beach somewhere, sunlight streaming through the palm leaves. A paradise like this isn't easy to come by, but it does still exist. Because the Nature Conservancy works locally with people like you to save precious places around the world forever. That way, closing your eyes will never be the only way to get there. I'm Paul Newman. Help save the last great places. Visit
0: the Nature Conservancy at nature.org. nature.org. you live from KZSU at Stanford University. This is What Would Your Mother Say? Where moms and Stanford students take a candid look at campus life. Our topic is being single, the pros and the cons. I'm your host, Susan Morris, and thanks for joining us. With me in the studio today is our mother, Barbara. Hi, Susan. Hi, and on the other side of the table are Stanford students, Leah, Lauren, and Emily hi hello. hello and this is Leah's first time welcome to the show thank you well being single I mean we've all been single at some point and we all know that has lots of perks which we can sometimes forget about what free time guiltless flirting I love that one and an incentive to keep self improving but it can also be lonely and sometimes awkward before we talk about singlehood, I want to ask who at the table is currently single Yes, I Emily and Leah.
1: It's a long story.
0: <laughs> oh, really?
1: <Yeah>. Yes,
0: <laughs> you're not you're not admitted. Uh, to too any. long for this show. Oh. We'd be here forever. It's complicated. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Barbara
3: and I'm single.
0: All right. Well, what do you like most about being single, Barbara? We'll start
3: with you. Oh, that would be freedom—the empowering freedom, the endless opportunity to do exactly what I want.
0: Okay. Now, does this coincide with what you all think, too? I definitely agree. And that's
2: one of the things about coming to college is all of a sudden your mom isn't telling you to empty the dishwasher. You know, your dad isn't asking you um, whatever. And you can do absolutely whatever you want. And there's no one you're really accountable to. And so having a boyfriend. Right. All of a sudden there's another person you always have to consider and think about what he's doing, et cetera.
4: Okay, Emily, what's your feeling about that? I would say that those are really good things. I think, so I'm newly single after basically a year and a half of not being single, and it's just nice. I just get to concentrate on myself and take care of me, and it can be exhausting, always considering another person.
0: Well, what what do you all like least about being single? Barbara, we'll start with you.
3: Sometimes it's emotionally lonely i don 't think it's for me it 's not physically lonely because I have a a big network of friends to do things with and neighbors and all of that. but sometimes I feel a little isolated and uh, lonely, especially when it 's a, a family sort of event or something where you 're supposed to bring your own recreation in the form of another person, like a wedding or something like that. <laughs>
0: Are there things that you definitely prefer doing with um, uh, a
3: guy? Like dancing, sex. I mean, the usual. <laughs> yeah,
4: I was going to say, regular sex, that was something I miss when I'm single. <laughs>
3: oh, okay. Or I mean, there are some things that are really partner driven. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yes. Okay, what
0: do you like least about being single? Yeah, I agree. It's sort of.
2: You don't have the security of knowing that there will always be someone that you can be with at an event um, or, you know, you're like, it's possible you might not have someone on Friday night to go to the party with and and then you feel alone.
3: It's
0: kind of scary, isn't it? Not scary. That's the wrong word. But awkward or intimidating to go into certain parties or environments without a, a significant other.
1: Oh, yeah. Especially if it's one of those, like you said, a wedding, you know. But uh, I mean, and ladies, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it seems like being in a relationship is such—it's like an indicator. It makes other women more interested in you if you're in a relationship, because it seems like when you're when you're in a relationship, there are all these you know girls come out of the woodwork to flirt with you, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're you're single again, and it's and it's like you're, you're tainted goods.
3: You know, I think you're right, Lauren. Someone validates that you're acceptable
1: as right. a partner
4: at some level.
1: Right. And, and in, the- it, I think that's the worst part about being single is that all of a sudden you're you know, you're a pariah now. Really?
4: I'm not into men who are in relationships because it's not worth my time investment because what am i going to get out of flirting with them nothing being flirted back i'm not going to get a date i'm not going to get sex i'm not going to get coffee i'm not going to get anything <laughs> i'm going to get like an angry girlfriend and like a guy who's going to tell me i'm cute but can't do anything about it or if he does do something about it i think he's scum so. well but maybe you're not talking uh, that much involvement but just people
0: look at you differently more positively if you've got a woman on your arm so to speak isn't that what, more what you meant more or us, yeah. Rather than um, that, you might, you know, if you see a single guy or by himself. And you see a guy with a. It's
1: like the perception is like, oh, you know, yeah. who is this? There's like, especially you know, I feel like some women get kind of defensive, like, who is this creep? You know, what's his problem? Why is no one else with him? Whereas if you've been validated, like you said, you know, it's like it's like all these all these kind of barriers. You know, like, okay, well, if if she's okay with it, it must be at least mildly okay.
5: So
2: okay. It's funny you say that because I think it's almost the same for a girl when a girl has a boyfriend other girls will want to hear about it and want to talk about it and will like seek her out oh how's it going with so and so you know like I'm in a sorority and, and that's you know you want to talk about who the girls are dating um, whereas if you're single it's kind of like oh still single
0: but you can talk about who you're sleeping with
3: that's fun <laughs> <laughs> no <way.
0: laughs> now when Emily says something like that what does everyone think Is as the, as, the, as the mother in the group I think Jesus Emily (laughs)
4: now do you tell your mom stuff like that Mm, I don't know what my mom thinks that I do with boys sometimes she makes implications that she thinks I'm sleeping with people and then other times when it actually comes up she's really shocked so I I don't I don't really know but no I censor a lot of things for my mom
3: that's a nice courtesy as a mother I can say I can only say thank you on her behalf (laughs) we don't need to know everything I don't think so. I think Barbara's right. Yeah. I think you're right, too. Censor everything.
0: <laughs> well, you're listening to What Would Your Mother Say on KZSU. And please give us a call if you'd like to join the conversation on being single. The number is 650-723-9010. You might want to check out our website, whatwouldyourmothersay.com, and take a look at the panel and what we do on the show. Okay. Well, does being single get easier or harder with time i mean if you're single barbara i don't know have you i mean who's who's been single for an extended period of time with no significant other emily yeah
2: mm-hmm. yeah me too
0: well what's significant i mean that's kind of an end amb- two years year and a half two years oh that's a long time i think that's a long time barbara would you agree yeah and then you didn't date other people in between in-
4: I'd say I went a year and a half without really dating anyone and then sort of dated someone. And then did it get easier over time? I think it's, it's like seasonal. It's like cyclical. I don't know if there's just like a a timeline trajectory. So like sometimes you're really happy and things are going on you're having a good time being single. And then maybe like, I don't know, Christmas rolls around or for me, um, like we talked a little bit about how nice it is to have the security of a significant other. And a lot of times it's like an automatic best friend. And so, and it, it's not that I don't have best friends otherwise, but it's somebody who you talk to every day and you touch base. So last year, for example, I went home for winter break and I'd just broken up with my boyfriend and, um, my grandma was sick and just like home life was just terrible and training. And it made it so much worse that I couldn't just like touch base with somebody every day and like fill my time with that. So I think, it's, for me, it's like circumstance and time, not just like, oh, it's been six months since I was dating someone.
0: Does it have to be a member of the opposite sex, Barbara? I mean, you mentioned having a lot of friends when you're needing that self, you know, that, that companion
3: that emotional companion? I would say um, my observation is that over an extended period of time, being single becomes hugely easier because your expectation set changes and your support system changes. And so the stuff Emily is talking about, while I would also need to unload that with somebody, chances are, a woman friend would fill that bill pretty nicely.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: I also kind of think, and, and Lauren, maybe you can comment on this, that it's different to be single, at least in college, if you're a girl or a boy. Um, I sort of feel like it's harder in some sense if you're a girl, or, or at least I get the sense that more boys seek out, you know, or desire to be single and not have to make that commitment, whereas um, the more girls I know are like, oh, I wish I had a boyfriend, I wish I weren't single. Do you but, find that?
1: I think I don't know I I guess I can only speak for myself but it seems like the kind of like mystical ideal for right guys is this like this multiple long-term relationship where you kind of have like like this gaggle of people and but <laughs> but you're still free to like pursue new relationships I, I I'm sure it's like purely mythical but it seems like you know, that's that's kind of the ideal. And while I like that, the the long-term relationship is nice because automatic best friend. I mean, there's also I feel like guys feel this impulse to always be kind of like, like going out and like you know discovering new things. You know, they're like Christopher Columbus. There's always some new world out there.
4: I would say that's. I don't know. Maybe I'm not like. A uh, stereotypical girl, but for me, last year before I got in this like super long relationship, my biggest hesitation about it was because I was terrified that I wasn't going to be able to be always looking for new things. Yeah. I was so upset that there were like new people on the horizon, and if I committed to a relationship with this person, I could not pursue those things, and that was like freaking me out so much. And the idea that I would have to meet attractive men and not flirt with them was terrifying to me. <laughs> um, so I don't know if that's a gender-only thing.
1: Uh, no, now, Susan, being married,
4: yeah. You, uh
1: yeah. How do you deal with that? I mean, you're you're not out there pursuing new worlds. You uh, you're, you're back home in in England. I mean, what what is that like?
3: <laughs> Portugal, England.
1: Portugal, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> whatever.
0: Spain. What can I say? I mean, being married, you just shift into it. Not at first, though. When I was first married, I mean, you still you know see the good-looking guy and turn. And of course, now I still do that, but. Um, <laughs> But it does take a while to get into being married to having one partner emotionally and, and because you, you still think you still talk about your old boyfriends. I don't. Well, I still on this show, though, I do. Talk <laughs> about my old bo- Oh, I'm getting myself. In trouble. I can't answer the question. Okay. Uh,
3: but there's a certain adventure when you're first married. Getting to know your partner yeah. is kind of a new horizon. Yeah, Yeah. but sometimes a very stormy one, but still a new horizon Very
0: stormy. But you know, you keep changing, though. I mean, you could say, how could you be married for so long? Well, because we've been very we've been a lot of different people. You know, we've done different things together. You know, our kids are are gone now. So we're having a, a completely different relationship than when we were changing diapers and stuff like that. Huh? So, all right. Well, I have one uh, quick question about losing your independence. One of the things that I've heard people talk about or say repeatedly is, I don't want to get married because I don't want to give up my independence. Did you all sense, you talked about having the freedom, but did you really ever feel that, God, you couldn't do something because you had this significant other? I mean, I, I just, to be perfectly honest, I've, I've not had that feeling. I feel that Having a partner has allowed me to have a
3: lot more freedom to to do things. I was more. Creative. Well, you don't get the hookup freedom. I mean, there's some obvious things <laughs> you walk away from, and I'm I'm using the young person's term. I mean, but you, you, there are freedoms you give up. You absolutely do. Well,
0: like what? Besides, besides you know what? Everybody in town. I mean,
3: <laughs> seriously, what what else do you give up? Well, you give up. Um, Control of your free time. Yeah, I would say time is a huge constraint. All right. What else? (laughs) Well, you give up some money. You give up, you you combine your resources. Mm -hmm. And so So I think most of your important decisions are tempered by their impact on the other person. And so you don't have, in my experience, not the complete freedom of thought or action. And, you know, whether the trade is worth it is determines the quality of the relationship. Well, obviously, yeah. Well,
1: talking yeah. about it. Yeah, actually, I mean, I guess freedom, I mean, you can't just get up and, and move to, to somewhere else because, I mean, you have that, you know, the, the woman at home saying, you know, what about me, what about my job? Yeah. No. And you're like, oh, wait, I, you know, I, I need the, the independence to do this. And, and you, you just don't have that anymore.
0: Well, okay, okay. And I'm, I'm realizing that I made a decision at some point to have children and to be primarily a, a nurturing mother type rather than a high-powered career person i mean that, that did i give something up well yeah i guess i also gained something though so i mean life is trade-offs
3: oh it so. absolutely is but i mean you did make a big trade and you and jim together made that
4: trade Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I, mean, I think that the, the best relationships and my ideal relationships are people who, as much as possible, in the constraints of being in a relationship, support me in being independent and like pursuing the things that I want to pursue. That being said, like we've talked about, there's still this like that person is, I have to consider that person and in, in lots of things, even things that are like, what am I going to do tonight? I could get trashed. But then I wouldn't have as good of a time with you later or I could, you know, go and see my friends a little bit and then come back and hang out with you. Just choices like that. Like for me, the biggest change in the past six weeks has been like when I think about my schedule for the day, I don't have to think about another person. I get to go where I want to, when I want to, without any consideration for later.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Well, it
3: gets boring, though, after a while, I think. Well, I think you're promoting the married state.
0: I am promoting it. We've and got I, the and four I, single I, people at this I, table. And I don't mean to, to do that because I think there, there are different ways of, of going through life. And I think being single is, is certainly completely valid and, and okay. And, and being caught up with someone else is not necessarily the, it's not the only way to go, clearly. Well, uh, we are going to take a short break, and when we come up, we are going, to, when we come back, we are going to be talking about crisis of confidence. We are having some heavy duty discussions today, but I'm Susan Morris, and this is What Would Your Mother Say, and we will be right back.
5: Housing discrimination on the basis of race, color, religion, sex, marital status, disability, age, or familial status is illegal. If you live in San Jose and think you've encountered discrimination in your efforts to rent or buy housing, you should call the Legal Aid Society of Santa Clara County. For more information, call 408-283-1540 extension 237. That's 408-283-1540 extension 237.
0: Coming to you live from KZSU at Stanford University, this is What Would Your Mother Say? where moms and Stanford students take a candid look at campus life. Our topic is crisis of confidence. I'm your host, Susan Morris, and thanks for joining us. With me in the studio today is the mom, Barbara.
3: Hi, Susan.
0: Hi, and on the other side of the table are Stanford students, Lauren, Leah, and Emily. Hi. Hi. All right. Well, you say the term crisis of confidence and chances are everyone knows exactly what you're talking about, even if they won't admit it. When you begin to question your abilities, the feeling of inadequacy and doubt can be overwhelming. The question is, what do you do to move on? Well before we talk about how you move on, I want to talk, I'd like to ask the students first about a situation when you really doubted yourself and you had a crisis of confidence. Anyone want to step to the plate first with their story? Lauren, you were talking earlier about when you were working for the Obama campaign right. last quarter.
1: Right. Well, I had a an experience where, you know, I kind of just picked up and, and left. I, I got in my car, you know, in Stanford and, and kind of just started driving to Atlanta, Georgia. You know, and not really knowing anybody there and knowing where I'd be in it. got to the point where, you know, I, I had to be there soon, so I had to drive, you know, straight on through. I took a nap in Arizona, but that was, that was basically about it. And, you know, 45, 50 hours in, you know, I'm coming over the mountains in Arkansas. And it, and it just starts raining. It's pouring. You know, lightning and thunder. And and I got the, yeah, and it's got this feeling, this crisis of confidence, where you know you look over at the passenger seat and it's just covered with Cliff Bar wrappers, and the rain is coming down, and it's just like lightning and thunder, and it's like something is telling you to turn around, to like that that you're a fool and that you shouldn't you know be be meddling in the south where you know where you don't belong, and uh, and and that's it's like a real it's a turning point where you can say you know what. Like I, I got to go for this because this is what I believe in, or you say, you know what, I'm turning around, I'm going home, uh, and uh, and thankfully for me, you know, uh, the song uh, "Born to Be Wild" came on the radio at that uh, at that particular moment, and uh, and I just you know kind of kept on keeping on. 54 hours later, ended up in Atlanta, Georgia, tired out of my mind, but I made it. Good and, for uh, you. and But it was it was really you know it was a it was a transition. It was a point where you say, you know, what do I want to do? Do I want to be that person who turns around? Or do I do I want to be the person who goes ahead?
0: Is Anyone willing at the table to admit when they turned around and said, I'm not going to try? Because it's a very powerful feeling. Sometimes, though, you're not in a position where you can do that. You've committed and you've got to show up. Right. Maybe if you hadn't, if no one was expecting you, you would have said, you know, no one would miss me.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I, I made a phone call on my way over to the people I was supposed to be staying with. And this woman answered the phone. And I said, you know, my name is Lauren. I, I was, you know, I was given your name as someone I was going to be staying with. And they're like, oh, you're a guy?
5: Oh, <laughs> sorry. We
1: have, we have teenage daughters. You can't stay here. Click. And I was like, so I'm just driving across nowhere to stay. I have this address at some school. Was, oh, it's awful.
0: Oh, that sounds
3: terrible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, does anyone else have a story like that? Barbara, do you have something? Oh, well, we you know, all do. i do. I'm the poster child for self-doubt in a thousand ways, uh, but there's a, a mechanical thing. One thing I hate about being single is oftentimes I have to be my own husband, and I often go to the mountains and... It can be an unbelievably difficult physical environment. And I went this past weekend, for example, and there was two feet of snow overnight and just digging my way out of the house, digging out the snowmobile, digging out the car, driving home in what felt like a whiteout. And um, there was a time when I turned around, not this trip but on a previous one, and instead of feeling like a failure, I felt like, you know, this is just the smart thing to do. But, you know, it's, it's not even... Um, about who I am as a person it's a feeling that I can't I can't cope with all this nature and sometimes that is correct I cannot cope with all this nature Mm -hmm. can
0: anyone talk about what they've done to prepare themselves so that you you know so you say well now I'm better able to handle this situation
4: Emily have you had a situation I feel like I'm having a crisis of confidence now trying to be employed next year. It's tough going. I don't know what I'm doing about it. Taking baby steps and just trying to put myself out there on, over and over again. Barbara, do you have any advice? Yes. Get up, dress up, show up. <laughs> she,
3: she's doing exactly the right thing. Just get up the next day and try it again. This is an unbelievably tough economy. Yeah. Yeah. And you have, I think, probably a fabulous skill set and a great resume. But it's just a whole lot of hard work finding a job. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I think it's hard for Stanford students, or at least I find that for myself, it's hard to apply to something or try to do something when you think you're not going to succeed because it's, like, terrifying, that prospect, like, I might put all this work into this and then I still wouldn't get it and it would go nowhere. And so I've had situations where... I, I, I like didn't apply for something because I just thought, well, I don't want to apply if I'm not going to get it. Um, but I think that, that having gone through situations that were really hard and really scary, um, and then it was okay in the end and you can look back and say, it was okay that time. It'll be okay this time. Um, is, is what I
0: usually do. You're, you're able to stick with something yeah, well, obviously, obviously. I mean, I, I, I think that when you've, when you've gotten into a school like Stanford, which is so competitive, that you've had to force yourself th- through a lot of things to get here and then to do well here, right? So in a way, this is something that... Emily, I mean, is that... I mean, because you're facing this job market, but don't you feel in a way that you have an experience
4: of working things through? Yeah, I would say that I think that I'm generally a pretty even-keeled person, and I don't think I've ever had, like you know, burrow under the car. Cu- I mean, nothing substantial where like for a period of time, I just couldn't face myself. And I think that in some ways you just like bury the insecurities and just don't think about them. And I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm just going to do it and not think about how miserable I am or how scared I might be.
3: Mm-hmm. You
4: know, Susan, at the risk of being a contrarian, there is
3: sometimes great courage in changing course know, I think we're we'll out to stick with it, and it's really great and all of that. But sometimes the much harder path is to say, I've, I'm making a big mistake, and I need to make a big adjustment.
4: Mm-hmm. It's true.
0: How would that relate to, um, it wouldn't relate necessarily to looking for a job, would it? Well, it could. I I, I know that a lot of people go to graduate school. Because they can't face the, the the prospect of being unemployed and having to really struggle with that. And, and so maybe really sticking to looking for a job. But is, at the
3: same time, that graduate school might be an opportunity to use a year really or two years really well when they might otherwise languish.
0: Yeah, you and know, get depressed by the economy. Hmm. Lauren, you're a senior as well.
1: <clears throat> yeah. yeah, I was actually on the phone with uh, one of my friends in D.C., and they uh it was a it was a tough conversation that they said, you know what, like the jobs just aren't there like we thought, you know, we're, we're gonna we're need you to hang in there and he was like, you know, just he said basically what you said just keep putting yourself out there. And it was uh yeah, it was hard.
0: Is there anything that you used to be nervous about doing that you're comfortable with now?
4: Yeah. I think they're, I think uh very related to um our conversations about like being jealous and being insecure. I think I'm a lot more comfortable now being willing to be vulnerable around somebody and admitting that I care and I might be jealous and I might be insecure. And I think I've found that the consequences of lying and and not being totally honest and not putting yourself out there are greater than the ones that I've faced when I'm totally honest with somebody. It's hard to be completely honest with someone though. It's scary. Sometimes I have to like, you know, turn around and be like, I'm not going to look at you. I'm just going to say, say what needs to be said. Tell the truth. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, Le- 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 Leah, you've had the same
2: situation. Um, a little, a, a little bit different, but for me, like asking for things that I want from people, especially people who I don't know very well or in higher positions than me used to be really terrifying. Um, but, um, I just try to keep putting myself out there. Um, when I was in high school, I went and lived in, in Mexico for six weeks in sort of a rural village doing volunteering. And it was like, it was scary every day I had to talk to people in Spanish I had to talk to people I didn't know and um, and I think that that helped me to now be more confident with it
0: well we sent our roving reporter Todd LaGuardia out to the campus to talk to students about situations that they've had where they were scared and here is what Todd got for us
6: I'm Yasmin I'm a junior the first time I went for my job this summer I had interviewed over the phone, so I wasn't really aware of the whole work situation because I had not, I hadn't gone in person. And, uh, I was really, really anxious about what was to be expected of me going into the work environment. I had never been at an office job before and, um, what I was supposed to wear, kind of mundane things like that. And so I just kind of got worried about it. But once, once I got there, I guess I kind of calmed down a little bit. So I guess in terms of crisis of confidence, every time I think that there's expectations for me, I get kind of worried about if I will live up to those expectations or not. I try and boost myself a little bit um, so that that doesn't happen.
7: Hi, my name is Brian Cabrera, and I'm a freshman at Stanford University. So I am a member of the Filipino American Student Union at Stanford and we have our own dance group called Kayumangi. and the co-chair was asking people for help with the dance because she needed members and since there was a lack of participation I thought I should step up and help out but so when I replied to her email I replied not knowing that the dancers had to dance without a shirt and had to dance in what's called uh, a Filipino Bahag which is basically a long Loincloth that barely covers the man's uh, ass and genital area. <laughs> And that made me really nervous because I have, uh, I'm have i very self-conscious about my body. So originally, I wasn't going to do it. But since there were only three guys dancing it and the performance was in two days, I was able to muster the courage um, enough to go on stage um, without my shirt on, despite the fact that I had never been shirtless in public before. And I was able to support my Filipino dance group.
0: Todd, thank you very much for getting that tape. That was quite an extraordinary story. <laughs> Being asked to basically dance
3: naked. I saw that performance. It was quite striking <laughs> in several ways. <laughs> yeah. Now that's amazing for that kid to have or man to have done that. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, that really is. That took a lot of guts. I'll say. I
0: wonder what well, I guess he felt a lot of loyalty toward his community. Good for him. A lot yeah. of
3: courage in that. Good for him. Yeah. I'm still laughing, though. Can you imagine? I don't know what I would have said. I mean, he sounded so sincere as he related the story. You <laughs> see, a nice, nice guy. <laughs> oh. Well, we are going to take a short break.
0: And when we come back, we are going to uh, turn into Ann. No, who is it? Not Ann Landers. Dear Abby. Dear Abby. No one's heard of Ann Landers. <laughs> well, we will be right back. Welcome back to What Would Your Mother Say? This is where we have a candid discussion between moms and Stanford students about life on campus. Our topic is emails from listeners. I'm your host, Susan Morris, and my panel includes a mom, Barbara, and three Stanford students, Leah, Lauren, and Emily. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hi. Today's questions are all over the map, so let's get going. Here's an email from Rainy. I started seeing this guy and we finally kissed for the first time a couple of days ago. We made out for a couple of minutes and then we stopped and said, and then we stopped and he said that he was nervous about getting physical because he values my friendship so much. I told him not to worry. I'm not going anywhere. And we went back to making out. But I can't help but wonder if he was really trying to say that he isn't attracted to me. What do you think? So
4: they're making out. And he stopped. Yeah, but seeing each yeah. other for a while seems so vague. So maybe he just thought they were friends.
5: Yeah.
4: Well, they
0: went back to making out, but he did stop in the... There's now, Lauren, a... you're a fellow.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. What's your
3: take on this?
1: I don't know. One thing that might be going on here, and something that guys do, is is that you have kind of two categories of girls. There's, There's, like there's like it's like there's there's the practice and then there's the major leagues and i think what he might be worried about, and and a lot of times the guys are are scared of the girls that they really like and the girls that that you know they they're, they're almost they almost like them so much that it's it's hard to talk to them because you know you're going to mess it up and when you mess it up you're going to be so upset you're like i'm such an idiot i said that and, and it was she was someone who really mattered as opposed to someone that you know maybe doesn't matter as much to you and so i think the one way to interpret that was be you know i really value our friendship i like you A lot. I don't want to, you know, screw this up by, especially if if you're talking about, you know, if you go all the way in one night and and you know it turns out to be just that, and and he could be worried about, you know, ruining the whole thing. I don't know.
0: Or or doing that too quickly in the relationship. So if
1: if I'm this girl, I'm I'm thinking maybe that means I'm major league, and uh, and that's a good thing. I don't know.
4: (laughs) Or I'm nothing league. So it's one or the other. (laughs) Or or
1: nothing. Yeah.
4: I don't know. It kind of sounds
2: to me like maybe he's not sure how he feels about her. I mean, I know I've done that. To a guy, I've been like, "Oh, I don't want to screw up our friendship," and really, I'm just like trying to buy time to like decide what my true
0: feelings are. So, I guess I think maybe Leah, you have I I I sort of go with what you're saying that you're kind of he's trying to buy time and he doesn't want to get too maybe she's really serious too. I mean, whatever it is, it doesn't sound really good. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Well, now here's an email where that question comes up. When my boyfriend hugs me, he also pats my back. Doesn't seem like such a good thing what? if a guy's patting you on the back.
1: It's like a, it's like a man hug. Oh, yeah, uh, one, two, and then you're gone. Like,
4: oh, I didn't know if it was like holding her and then patting her as he held her. I think so. I'm that. That's my impression from what's
0: written here. That. I don't know. There's something about patting somebody that seems very uh, solicitous. You know, the person is older or younger, but not there's not an equality in that relationship. You know, I have
3: an axe to grind with this particular complaint. Um, someone I was very close to was seeing a therapist, and the therapist told them, if someone pats your back during a hug, it's not a sincere hug. And, of course, I was a ba- a backpack patter. And oh. it 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 meant nothing. It was just... It, it had no meaning attached to it, whatever. So for this person to be so concerned about the back patting is almost offensive on
4: its face to me. <laughs> I think they should just ask or say like, I would like you to hug me and not pat my back and <laughs> <laughs> and it's bothering her so much. Well, I,
0: yeah, that sounds like a a good idea. Being honest, because
1: being... it's not a good hug. And there are people who can give the best hugs in the world, and it's like you 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 like fall asleep for a second when you hug them because it feels so good. <laughs> and there are other people who are just like they're so awkward, and it's like yeah, it's all squirrely. But yeah, I mean, it may be like yeah, it's, that'd be kind of a, a fun thing to do with someone is teach them how to hug you right.
4: Yeah. yeah, I mean, you that's always if you're in a relationship, you want them to talk to you right, touch you right, hug you right. Man, this is sounding a lot like work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, The story
0: Stanford Storytelling Project is coming up at 6, right after What Would Your Mother Say? And the women's basketball uh, team, the Cardinals, are playing Oregon State, and that's at 6.50 this evening on KZSU. Okay, here's another email. This one is from Mike. My girlfriend just told me that she's going on a spring break getaway trip with a bunch of her old friends from high school, a couple of whom are guys. Knowing the kind of thing that tend to go on during spring break trips, I'm a little nervous about her going. I mean, if anything happened between her and one of the guys, I'd never hear about it. I'd like to go on the trip too, but she says it would be weird since I didn't go to the high school with her. Does this sound right? I think it's fine. Let her go. I think it's a valid comment. It's
2: awkward to have one friend who doesn't know any of your other friends. So she, so he shouldn't be jealous.
1: I don't know. I'd be like, hey, like, why don't we just go on our own spring break trip? You know, like... Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: I mean, I think he should have a conversation with her. I mean, I think he is right to be concerned, but it's not like he's going to stop her from going. I don't think that would be right. So he just needs to say, I'm concerned.
0: Well, has anyone ever been in a situation where someone, your a sweetheart has said that he or she is going to do something and you've thought, I really am not happy about that? And said, gosh, I wish you wouldn't go. I don't think that ever works, by the way. I mean, I think the person has to kind of say, you know, I've been thinking about this and I don't think I really want to go. I want to be with you. But um, I don't know. Does anyone have a story that's similar to this where the
4: sweetheart is doing something that doesn't quite feel comfortable? In my experience, the things that people tell you about, you don't have to worry about. And the things that people are hiding from you, you do have to worry about. Then again, you can't really hide a spring break trip. So maybe there's something in there. But... I don't know. I
1: Especially cuz it's like, you know, the the two completely separate social circles. Mm-hmm. It's like carte blanche to do whatever, you know. Then there's no real fear of retribution. Unless there's some, like, unfortunate Facebook photos.
3: <laughs> you have to You the
1: There's a jealousy the cycle yes. right there. Oh, no, <laughs> add another item, item to the buffet, you know.
3: Oh, you know, travel always creates, uh, I think, a, a come-to-Jesus moment in a relationship that's very, very hard. Yeah. If you're not going together, it's an issue. If you're bringing someone around that your family hasn't met, or if you're trying to get away and it's not sexual yet, it's always clumsy. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of those moments.
0: Okay, well, we have an email here from Annie. I'm finally comfortable telling guys when I think it's too soon for us to have sex. The problem is they seem to all think that this means that oral sex is okay. I feel like oral sex is a lot more intimate than intercourse, and I'm not really comfortable with having it as a starting point. But I'm beginning to think that I'm alone in thinking that. Am I completely out of touch with what's
4: normal? No. I know lots of people who who find oral sex more intimate than intercourse. I think everyone's boundaries are different. I know I know people who are sexually active, like in a relationship, and don't have oral sex with each other. I know someone who has had intercourse with four times as many people as he's had oral sex with. Interesting. So. Uh,
1: yeah, because it. But I think conventionally, I mean, you are putting third base in front of home base, or third base after home base. You know. In terms of the base system.
4: Yes, but still, <laughs> your face is in somebody's crotch. Like, that is so... I can understand why That's people think true. it's intimate. I mean, I think... I however, think so. I think so. I
2: think however you feel about it is, is is the right way to feel about it. And um, I'm sure plenty of people... If she feels that way, um, I'm sure a lot of other people do, too. I mean, I don't
3: know anyone that says no sex, but oral's fine. I do.
6: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I think this is all because if everybody is doing and you're saying, Leah, though, you don't think everybody is doing Absolutely it.
4: Absolutely not. Yeah. Okay. I think you set your boundaries or you set your boundaries regardless of the norm of where other people set their boundaries. But Emily,
0: just earlier, though, you were talking about how hard it is to be honest with with a significant other about how you're feeling, and I think this is. I think this is very hard sometimes
4: f- to talk to someone you don't even know really that well. To me, it's easier to talk to someone I don't know well than someone I know very well. At least for me, if I'm going to be physical with somebody who I don't know very well, I want to make sh- like for damn sure I'm getting out of it what I want to get out of it. And if I, you know, if we're not going to match eye to eye, then like it's better for everyone if nothing happens. I think it's harder for a significant other if you have to say like I you know i really want to be close to you and intimate with you but i have to tell you that i'm not like ready to do this thing like that can be hard to say too it's all very hard barbara what are you thinking
3: <laughs> i'm thinking um <laughs> i'm thinking about um a man i was just met and we were having coffee and i guess the idea was that maybe we'd eventually date and he confessed to me that his previous woman friend had cheated on him because he wouldn't engage in oral sex ever. And um, I was so... I was so confused. There was... There was nothing to do with that information <laughs> over a cup of coffee. And so, as you speak of it so freely and comfortably, Emily, and I'm thinking I'm sitting across the table from a stranger. Who's, uh, I'm just saying there's a generational divide here, and I think maybe you guys are on the right team. Well,
1: but what a turnoff, though. You know, you're not, I mean, I you know, it that's was not turnoff. in the future, right? Yeah,
3: you know I, w- I would not date you know, like, this man. checking that one off the list. Right? Yeah. It was not anything not a, in the plus column. Let me yes. tell you that. Yeah. Not a good pickup line. <laughs> oh,
1: Got well, on so I don't do all? <laughs> <laughs> My name's Lauren, by the way. <laughs> so, so
0: on that note, I'm really sorry, but our time has run out. <laughs> it was good to have you all on this show this week. Thank you so much. That, Lauren. Leah and Emily. Thanks, Susan. Thank Thank you. you. And our mom, Barbara. Thank you. And a thank you to our listeners for your emails. Keep them coming. Our email address is mothers at kzsu.stanford.edu. Check out our website. We will be giving books away starting tomorrow. And by going online, you can qualify for these books or for a book. For the record, the opinions you hear on What Would Your Mother Say don't represent those of KZSU or Stanford University. The associate producer is Sarah Buer, Our roving reporter is Todd LaGuardia. And Mark Lawrence is our engineer today. A special thanks to our underwriter, Wendy Schmidt. That's it for tonight. You've been listening to What Would Your Mother Say. Thanks for joining us. See you next week, same time, same station. I'm Susan Morris, and remember, call your mom.